Hello, uh, welcome to the first episode of Residential Spread. Uh, my name is Corey Gergen, and I'm here with Josh Cohen. Hi, Josh. Good to be here. Um, Alexandra Edwards. Hey, Alex. Hi. Uh, and Molly Slavin. Hi, Molly. Hey. Um, and we are all, all four of us are term-limited contingent faculty. We teach the humanities at the Georgia Institute of Technology. And like other schools, Georgia Tech has experienced massive disruptions, shifts and changes due to the spread of coronavirus. This fall, uh, it is sending students back, uh, students and instructors back to campus uh, in a number of modified course delivery modes. And on this show, we kind of want to investigate the sources and consequences of those policies and discuss what it's like for us as we navigate higher ed during a pandemic uh, as members of the precariat. We're going to start with a temperature check. We're going to take a statistic or a number that says something about the state of, of higher ed and the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, our, our number today is plus 3507. As of August 3rd, the rolling seven-day average for new COVID cases is 3,500 more cases per day higher than it was in March 13th when Georgia Tech shut down in-person instruction. Um, this is per the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's COVID dashboard. Um, when we shut down classes, the seven-day rolling average was six. Um, and as of August 3rd, it was 3,513 um, new cases per day. Um, thoughts on this? <laughs> I I just whispered Jesus under my breath, so. <laughs> I think uh, in keeping... I think that about sums it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 wild, right? It's a massive increase, and I uh, I think we wanted to start here um, because one of the things that I want to get at with this first episode is kind of how we reacted to COVID in the spring and how we're reacting now, and sort of try to get at why things are so different. Um, so I thought we might start by recreating the timeline of the spring, just for just to refresh our own memories and for anybody who sort of wasn't following carefully for announcements from our president and from the university system. Um, so um, so can you all kind of help me um, talk through this timeline? I know, uh, Alex, you compiled some of this timeline for an open letter that you uh, helped write uh, at the time, committing to um, going online with instruction rather than making students come to campus. Yes which was a much easier thing to sort of publicly say like, well, God damn it, we're going to do it anyways before I had appeared in the New York Times. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I, I think weirdly, uh, I think most of us were, um, we were working on uh, job market stuff together um, on the days that this stuff kind of unfolded in March, right? I yes. remember. Um, yes helping Molly with yes. a job talk um, or a, a teaching demonstration. And, I, and we um, came to your talk too, Alex. Yes. Yeah. Which um, was yeah. Uh, like that week or the week before. Yeah. So and at, at I, the time too, when we, when we got together to do that, it felt like, Oh yeah. You know, it's four of us. This is like very low risk. There's very few right. cases around. Right. Like it felt like, like you are experiencing a lot of logistical uncertainty. Oh, will they zoom into my classroom 
or will I have to do this demo like over the phone? Like you didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but it felt very clearly like it was still going to happen. And it was pretty low risk for four people who live in separate households to meet up. Yeah. And, in a fairly small house. And I, I remember the, Molly, one of the things you were stressing about was that you had promised us snacks. Um, there was like a spread at your house for this teaching demo. Um, <laughs> like we, we shared <laughs> food together. <laughs> it it might have been the last time I shared food with people that I don't live with. <laughs> That's so dark. I'm sorry they were better snacks. No, they were good snacks. <laughs> Anyway, so to reconstruct this for people who were not in Molly's home <laughs> when this all yeah. like started to happen, yeah, I, I just say that to like set the, the, the sort of stage here because we were sort of all around each other checking our phones and trying to keep up with what the news was, right? And so uh, from the timeline that we put together, you know, the, the week after this happened, um, Thursday, March 12th at 12.15 p.m., uh, USG, which is the University System of Georgia, which we're going to talk more about in a future episode, um, they made an announcement that all 26 USG institutions will remain open for face-to-face -face education. And this was a couple days after uh, schools in like Washington had started to close down or announced that you know they were going to do the rest of the spring online. Um, so Thursday, 12:15, USG says no, we are going to continue in person. So then at 4 p.m., um, they USG further announces that G Georgia Governor Brian Kemp had sort of given flexibility to implement closures um, based on, you know, whatever they saw fit to do. Uh, but USG sort of stayed the course and said, like, we're going to um, temporarily suspend instruction for two weeks. Um, in order to test out continuity plans, uh, one of those really interesting um, like phrases that covers up what it really is, right? Um, and and this was going to be like two weeks for them to sort of pause in the middle of the spring semester and assess what we could do, right? And like I said, um, the USG schools have different uh, spring breaks. They're not all aligned, but we were like headed into spring break. So it essentially meant we got an extra week tacked on to our spring break. Right. But some schools were like UGA was like coming back from spring break. I think. Yes, I think that's right. 4 PM on Thursday, uh, USG says we're going to pause for two weeks. 4.53 p.m. on Thursday, uh, the president of Georgia Tech, uh, Angel Cabrera, Angel, Angel, I, he's Spanish. I don't actually know. I think it's on hell. It the flare. On, on hell. On hell. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you should tell I took college French and not Spanish. <laughs> um, he so he tweets to his personal Twitter account that he can confirm that after spring break, uh, Georgia Tech is going to move to online slash distance instruction. Um, and then he says details to follow. And then the next day, Friday, so almost 24 hours later, Friday at about 1.38 p.m., uh, we get an email uh, to all GT employees and students that says, as the president announced yesterday, we are moving to distance learning on Monday, March 30th. Uh, we're going to do a trial week on March for March 23rd, and then we're going to be in distance format for the rest of the semester. Um, now, remember, this is the Friday before spring break begins for Georgia Tech. <laughs> 
Um, and a lot of people are already sort of gone, right? Um, yeah. And then we get, then we get the the moment that blew all of our fucking minds, <laughs> right? Like the moment where it seemed like the this is I think the moment where reality just like cracked open for me, <laughs> um, which is that Friday, March thirteenth, eight forty two p.m. Yeah, so this is now more than 24 hours from the president's original personal tweet about moving to distance instruction. Friday night before spring break at 8.42 p.m., this man, again, on his personal Twitter account, tweets, I need to clarify our earlier guidance. We're actually not, we can't confirm that we're going to go online. We don't know yet because USG won't tell us. So he just retracts what he originally said. How did you guys feel in that moment? Yeah, well, and, and he ends it with my apologies for the confusion caused by my earlier statement. Yeah, it was, which is the but moment we need that more than your apologies. Really yeah, we need more than your apologies, especially students who are already off to China mm -hmm. or wherever, right? Yes, yeah, I, their, yeah, your apologies I, aren't doing any good. Yeah, I had multiple students who were on one way tickets to the other side of the world when this uh, tweet released. Um, the other thing about this tweet is, you know how there's like the non-apology apology? This is a non-retraction retraction. Like he never owns up to having said that we are moving to distance learning. He just says that what he said was unclear, um, which, yes. which is- um, Clarify, I need to clarify. Yeah, which is just Ooh. one of just a number of these kinds of communications uh, from leadership that I have found incredibly frustrating. Um, yeah. Yeah, yes. So then from there, we sort of have this like uh, weird kind of trickle of information. Um, it was in those days right after uh, that Friday night tweet. And I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm exceptionally online. Like I'm online all the time. <laughs> um, my partner constantly makes fun of me for looking at what we call my rectangle, which is my phone. Um like I'm just always on my rectangle. Um, and so I think I saw this tweet like kind of just after it was posted and I was just was like shocked. I was shocked. Um, but so in the days after that, this is when we crafted this open letter um, where we just said, you know what, like, like Corey said, we have students who were flying to China when, when this retraction slash clarification happened and we were not going to tell them like oh sorry i know you bought a one-way ticket back to your home country but actually uh you're gonna fail the rest of the semester if you don't get back to america um so we just said you know what screw it if usg won't give them won't, won't give us clarity and and consistency and certainty in this moment we'll just do it for our students and we will teach online for the rest of the semester and fuck anybody who says that we shouldn't um which like i said was a lot easier to say when we were relatively anonymous postdocs <laughs> spring <laughs> um now there's all all sorts of uh complications tied up with the ability to kind of repeat that that principled stance right um, but yeah, so we, we put together this letter to say like, no, you, you, you already said it. You can't take it back. You said it. We're, we have to be online now. We have kids who are, have moved out of the dorms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that complicates, um, our position now, and I think we can get into this more at the end of the show, but, um, now is that 
part of what gave us space to write and publish this letter was that confusion, right? What what Cabrera called a lack of clarity, but was really, um, he said something, uh, somebody behind the scenes told him he couldn't say that and he took it back. Um, and that as, as unclear as the communications we've been getting have been from um, administration at Georgia Tech and um, from the broader Board of Regents, which we'll get into in future episodes, um, the one thing that has been clear um, is that most of us will be scheduling in-person class meetings, right? Like that's the one thing that they're consistent on now. Um, that right. seems to be where they're putting their foot down on this. Um, Which is why that temperature check that we did at the beginning of the episode is so wild yeah. uh, from our specific perspective, because you're talking about like we we closed colleges, we closed mm -hmm. the schools across the state to the degree that we could. I mean, there were so, still some kids living on campus, um, but we essentially like turned off all the lights for six new cases a week. And now we are at more than 3,500 new cases a week. Mm -hmm. And it's, well, you know what? Life is full of risk and we just got to get back on campus and get back into it. Um, yeah. Can we talk about that for which a second? Which is something... Sorry. So, no, you're, you're good. So just one thing on this idea of like the numbers, right? The momentum of very small numbers getting larger felt really different than pretty big numbers staying pretty big, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there's a, you know, we could get a psychologist on here who could give me the, the technical name for whatever that phenomenon is. But when the cases are rising from literally zero or single digits to the hundreds, the thousands, the tens of thousands, that feels like a crisis. It feels like momentum. But when they're just staying generally bad, when they're plateauing at a level that is objectively bad, there's just less urgency. And the way that the semester, the way that it fell around spring break, it just I think it just created this narrative of like, we're just going to do this after spring break, then we'll have the summer, it'll all be fixed. And that, that cemented, like that narrative set in place really hard, really fast, that no matter what data we seem to throw at the problem now, it seems like it's very hard to shift away from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Molly, what, what did you want to say? Oh, um, sorry, this is going back a little bit, but Alex's point about, um, you know, life is full of risk and we just have to, we just have to do it. Um, that is actually something the provost said mm -hmm. um, in a town hall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, he said, he said, well, you know, we got to take risks in life. We can't stop living. Shrug. He said that man um, said cases are going to happen. Yes, that's what he said. That was his like answer. Yes, he, I to what do we do about you know um, uh, potentially a hundred students out of uh, ten thousand coming back to campus um, infected and spreading it? And his answer was like, yeah, shrug. Cases are going to happen. Yeah, I'm actually, his answer. Uh, Rafael Bras, the the pro, the current provost who's um, outgoing, his answer was actually like, "Well, you know, there's a case of coronavirus in the apartment complex I live in right now. <laughs> Cases are going to happen." Shrug. Yes, I yeah. hope it's not his horse. Yes, he he very specifically mentioned his neighborhood uh, or apartment complex. Yeah, um, and I think he pulled yeah, that there's like, a risk in going to the grocery store. Um, yes, 
uh, move as as well. Yeah, which none of which was comforting to me. Um, I, I I would say no. But there's this Josh's right though. We get yeah. at this sense of like, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk about like what's normal, normalization, and how like times are unprecedented, or this is our new normal, or whatever. And there is a sense now that like, yeah, we've just sat with it for so long, and no one has done dick to solve it, mm-hmm. right? And so. now we're just like, well, this is normal. It's normal that a bunch of us could die, whatever. It's like shocking when you step back away from it and think about how far we've come or have not come in these four months or whatever it's been. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think those, those things combined, right. To make it easier to, to force things to be open. um, The sort of the fact that we're just living with these big numbers that aren't increasing necessarily um, makes, even though the risk is greater, um, it makes it seem less or we're, we're dull to it or, or, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so like these these narratives um, get together or work together, um, and and there's just this this notion that I think. No, I don't think anybody's articulated this way, but I think there's this idea that because we didn't do anything to stop it, that we can't or couldn't have done anything to stop it, right? Um, so there's sort of an inevitability to it. Um, just one more statistic that I'm just looking up right now to put a pin in this. Um, so in in the second week of March when we shut down, it was six new cases per day. Uh, as of August 4th, there is an average of 51 deaths per day, um, which is which is, yeah, yeah. Outstanding. Uh, so, you know, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's hard to even know like what to say about that. Right. Like we, uh, our run sheet has this moment where we were going to talk about like, what are the challenges that we faced in the spring? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're going to talk about like the collapse of the academic job market, but like 51 deaths a day, like I don't even fucking want to talk about whether or not I can get a job. Like, yeah. I just want people to stop dying. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Uh, well, um, let's, shall we end on that, on that note? I, well, let I, me say I, this. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I do want to end a little more hopefully. Or do. though I don't know if it's, it's not necessarily hopeful, but, but Corey, to go back to what you said previously, that there's this sense of like, cause we didn't do anything. We can't do anything. Um, if you don't follow Andy Slavitt on Twitter, um, and I don't have his handle off the top of my head, um, but he is relatively, uh, well known around the conversation of, um, COVID-19 and, and what we could do to deal with it. He has a thread it's where a, he really, really laid Slavitt. out. A Slavitt. Thank you. Yep. Um, that we could take six to eight weeks now and we mm-hmm. could be essentially done with this by thanksgiving yeah right? we just have to do it now right mm-hmm. and he lays out like here are the things you have to do one of which is don't open the colleges obviously mm-hmm. um but it's just it would be eight weeks of our lives and then it would be over and you look around at other countries around the world who have gotten it under control and like it is actually not impossible like it's it's actually very simple we mm-hmm. just lack the political will or something to, to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that I, was not more hopeful. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, and I'm going to make it worse. Uh, I'm going to put that thread, that Twitter thread in the, in the show page uh, because it's, it's really great. Um, but there, there was movement maybe two weeks ago, at least at the K-12 level. Um, 
there was going to be a meeting of the Board of Education in Georgia um, to talk about putting into place a policy that would allow school districts to delay the start of their of their school year. Um, I think the news leaked on a Tuesday. The meeting was supposed to be on a Thursday. And then before the meeting happened, it was squashed. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the first thing we need in this state is political will, unfortunately. Um, well, and, and to kind of and unions. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So what Maybe. I was going to say to make the bridge into what our next episode is going to talk about, which is the sort of system under which we're operating here in Georgia and all the mm-hmm. challenges that come along with that. Um, you look at, you know, that story here in Georgia um, versus what just happened in Chicago, where the Chicago Teachers Union said, we're going to hold a meeting next week to talk about whether or not we're going to have a vote to strike. And Chicago public schools three hours later said, Oh, we're just going to be all online. We're just going to be online. Like they, <laughs> wow. I mean, they like, you could feel the panic. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause that's what a union can do for you. <laughs> um, there you go. I'll also put a link to the union in the show notes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I think that'll do it for the for our first episode. Thanks for listening and and stick around next week. We're going to kind of have like a low key part two of this where we talk about um, the power structures that led to these kind of communication failures that happened in March and that are going to happen going forward. So, um, Josh, Alex, Molly, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. UGA was like coming back from spring break. I think. Yes, I think that's right. Is there a cat? Yeah, sorry. Can you hear my cat? <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, no, keep it. Keep it in as blank as they say on blank check. Keep it in and double it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I usually mute people when they aren't speaking with this thing anyway. So, um, but yeah, now I can see it. I can see Humphrey's purrs. Um, on the little thing yeah great um adorable adorable